So uh, let's get started. Uh, my name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm the Chief Metaverse Officer of CyberGear based right here in Dubai. I run a Web3 digital agency and I do these webinars uh, like almost every three weeks and we cover topics uh, in the Web3 Metaverse, tokenization DAOs and community building aspects. So today we have an amazing panel. Um, actually, I should say as usual, uh, we have Gordon Glenister, who's coming in from the UK. We have Stephanie Bretonoy, who's based in Paris, but today from Milan. Uh, Jennifer Roebuck is from UK. Carlos Diaz coming all the way from San Francisco. And a special shout out to him for his commitment for checking in at 5 a.m. local time. Carlos, welcome to the show. And uh, Nico, you. who's joining us from New York. So we have an amazing panel. And our topic is also very interesting and very relevant for present times. The emergence of fansumers in Web3. And why I selected this topic? Because Web2 is about consumers and Web3 is about fansumers. You need to build fans for your brand, people who are loyal, people who are your brand ambassadors, people who talk about you even when you are sleeping, right? So that's the whole idea. And community is at the heart of Web3. So let's get started. And uh, let's do the introductions. We'll go around the room. As I see my panelists, we'll start with Gordon. Um, yeah. Hello, everybody. Lovely to see you. I'm from uh, Cambridge in the UK. Um, so I'm an influencer marketing speaker, uh, author of Influencer Marketing Strategy. In fact, you can see the book uh, neatly placed behind me. Um, I also host uh, two podcasts one in the membership community space and the other called Influence the Global Podcast. But rather excitingly, in the next uh, couple of months, I'm going to be launching an exclusive influencer-related podcast for the Arabian market as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm also a writer for a London newspaper, the London Evening Standard. So that's me. Thanks. Let's go to Jennifer, please. Hi, nice to meet you all. I'm also based in London, and I'm actually a consumer expert. So I've spent the past 25 years in fashion hospitality, entertainment, and actually retail banking and telco. And my red thread is basically building up customer bases, retaining customers, creating really immersive creative experiences. And I segued into Web3 about a year and a half ago. And I actually bridged the two worlds. So the traditional brand and consumer world with Web3. Thanks, Jennifer. Stephanie, you are in Milan today. Yes. Hello, everyone. Very pleased to be uh, with you today. So currently in, in Milan because I'm attending a, a luxury and fashion summit tomorrow. Uh, so my background, 25 years in the luxury and fashion and beauty space, uh, working, studying in Web2, uh, launching my first e-commerce uh, website for Dior in 2002. So quite some time in the space and I've shifted into Web3 uh, three years ago now. Um, very, I mean, I'm founder and CEO of uh, Power3 and uh, as well CEO of WeImpact.World. And my mission is to uh, leverage a Web3 technology for impact. Thanks, Stephanie. Let's go to New York and talk to Nico. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Nico Farah. Um, I have two organizations. I'm an engineer by training, but uh, I found my way into uh, immersive experiences and fashion. Um, so I founded the Fashion DAO, which is a community of Web3 fashion experts and enthusiasts. Uh, we help brands, um, gaming companies, and um, even metaverse companies to uh, bring different ways of expressions into these uh, immersive experiences that we are working towards. Um, and I also founded uh, another company, which is called Chief Metaverse Officer. It's not a title, it's the name of the company. And uh, we allow brands to create their own custom uh, immersive experiences on their own website. Thank you. Thanks, Nico. And uh, talk to us about the fancy background that you have. <laughs> yes, this is one of our environments to create it for a virtual fashion show we're going to do. All right, cool. Uh, Carlos, how is it in San Francisco? Well, it's 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 still it, the it's still the night here. <laughs> you know I mean? So it's five in the morning now. But uh, I'm very pleased to be with you uh, today. Uh, so my name is Carlos Diaz. Uh, I always been an entrepreneur in the tech space. I started uh, well a long time ago in '97. Uh, so um, I I created a, a web agency uh, back then uh, that eventually became public in 2006. And then I I I founded the first software the service uh, uh, player uh, in France. Uh, I originally come from France and uh, moved you know this company to Silicon Valley in 2010, sold the company um, here in the US, decided to stay here. And then I created another company um, in the mobile and gaming space that didn't go uh, as expected. So I think I got a, a pretty good experience of uh, what it is to be an entrepreneur in the tech space, you know, with IPO, M&A and failures, you know, so I, I, I visited, you know, the three bases of the diamond, if I would say. And uh, after this third experience, I decided uh, I don't want to create a startup anymore. So uh, I basically going to become an investor and I in the last four or five years, I invested in more than 95 startups as a pretty active you know, business angel with my own fund named Diaspora Venture. And then the Web3 you know, took me and I said to myself, uh, I, I've, been, I've been in the Web1, I've been in the Web2 doing uh, amazing stuff. And here is the, this new paradigm you know, coming, very exciting one. And uh, I want to surf, you know, this uh, this wave. That might be my last maverick, you know, for me to to surf. And uh, I jump uh, on this uh, on this new adventure. And I founded Uncut, that is a, a platform for creators to uh, create uh, NFT gated communities with their top fans. You know, that's basically what we're doing. Great, Carlos. And what I share with you is that I'm also a Web One guy, 27 years in digital space, and you know, transitioning to Web Three now. And every day we learn something new. And the great thing is that there are no experts in this field, right? And if anybody claims to be one, you should view them, you know. Uh, Run. <laughs> your own yeah, so, so we are all here to learn from each other. Uh, let's start this conversation. If I may go to Nico, uh, you know, Web3 is about communities, right? Communities are at the heart of Web3. And brands uh, somehow still don't get it. They are looking to build in the metaverse. And then when they have no traffic, no traction, they think, oh my God, what happened? And it's simple. They didn't start by building a community around their brand. So if I may come to you, Nico, what is the role of communities and let's say DAO structures and how can brands you know, engage with their customers? What's your take on what brands need to be doing today? 
Sure. Um, I start with the definition um, because, you know, DAOs can be confusing. So it's decentralized autonomous uh, organization, but decentralization doesn't always mean like a flat organization. Um, and also autonomous doesn't mean like everything is going to be autonomous. Um, so we need to look at it as a spectrum. And especially we see um, from the brand's perspective, a lot of times, um, even when they use blockchain, they prefer to use like centralized blockchain um, just to get into the space. Um, so again, it's a spectrum. So you can have different tiers like we do have uh, in the fashion DAO. Um, and then in different tiers, you can kind of define uh, the control and the power structure and all of that. Um, and what this does is that you are still um, providing ownership to your uh, customers and turn them to users and creators, um, and then allowing them to be part of the narrative. And that ownership uh, fuels their empowerment, and then they feel they're a part of the outcome. Um, so, and then the other part is like brands should look at it as an extension of their team. Um, so they, a lot of times they can utilize uh, the knowledge base, the experiences, the feedback, um, and have a two-way communication uh, rather than just, you know, what we're used to, like just likes in Instagram or, you know, emails and, you know, like complaints. Um, that's not the true communication that we had in Web1, Web2. So this is the best way. And, you know, again, brands don't have to think like they have to like ruin their structure and go all uh, decentralized. Like they can take small steps by, you know, simply listening. Um, and, you know, like when you are doing product development, you can start with like creating some options and sharing it with your customers. That's a surprise factor that we saw like from Steve Jobs and a lot of, you know, strong entrepreneurs before may not work as much these days and it's not the most efficient way of um, you know product development you can get feedback before you actually produce something it's a lot more sustainable it's a lot more efficient um, so um, I see that all the time like when uh, newer brands are doing it um, they're using existing tools like Twitter Discord like if I know these are many of them could be very noisy but it's really up to you how you control it you don't have to have 20 channels you can start with one and like manage that but all these consumers want is just to be heard uh, and to be seen and to be valued um, and this has been lacking before so now we're giving them that attention and um, it could be small steps yeah I 100% agree with you and you made a very important point that brand managers have to be good listeners a lot of community managers I see they talk talk they don't listen and all the good ideas are coming from the community around us, right? So we have to listen to all stakeholders and there are a lot of learnings there. I, I saw Jennifer uh, take some notes. You want to add something to that? Sure. I mean, I think um, it also depends on the brand, right? So one of the things I noticed yesterday was LinkedIn piling into Porsche's failing NFT project. And it's a really good example of a, I think Web3 being, you know, critical and unsupportive of brands. And I think that that's a challenge for brands, but also the type of brand, the type of community, what is the existing customer base interested in? And are some of these businesses, you know, perhaps jumping in too soon? You know, yes, they need to build a community, but is it even right for them to build a community? And I think that's been a really valuable 
development over the past year and a half when we went from hype mode where this tech would solve all the problems, right, that everyone had. And decentralization was this glorious myth that we could all live and breathe to first principles, like you have to run a business, you have to make money, you have to solve problems for people, or you have to create things that surprise them. And this technology can be used to facilitate that, but it doesn't replace the first principles. So I think that's important from a community perspective. Yeah, Gordon, you you have your hand raised. Um, Shiran, I just wanted to make a point of a very good example of a brand that really has embraced community, and that's Lego. I mean, if you consider a few years ago, this was have been a, a, a brand that really didn't know and understand its audience, and now whether it's uh, the, the film, whether it's the the TV show with the you know your average age of the people that are in that community are in their mid thirties and forties. You know, you've got the equivalent of Bake Off, only Lego off. Um, but what we've what we've got really well is is this co-creation of people that love the product all working together for a greater good. Yes, agreed, hundred percent, Stephanie. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and what is really important is to understand why brands need to go to uh, what is called fanocracy. I think it's very important to uh, to start with the why. Uh, first of all, it's because we see a strong evolution of the expectation of the customers. They want to be part of it and they want to belong to the tribe. And that's the reason why I prefer the word tribe rather than community, because usually we associate community only to consumer. When in my point of view, uh, every brand should uh, leverage and gather all the people within the circle of the brand, meaning not only the consumer, the followers, but also the employees the partner and build a tribe because all those people can be converted into fans and be leveraged to be much more than you know what they are, consumer to purchase, employee to work. And if you twist them into a customer to be sales advisor, um, employee to, be, uh, to become a social influencer, you leverage the concept of tribe. And they're exactly what you said before as an introduction, Sharad, you uh, will get the support. And that's uh, something uh, which is very important because we see the rise of the, co uh, of the um, acquisition cost. So you need to optimize you know, the way you, uh, you expand your, your brand. And we need to shift from a brand-centric approach to customer. So it goes from you know, top to bottom to bottom up, which is totally new for many brands because they want to keep control on everything. When right now, they should share not only, you know, the communication, but also revenues and also, you know, leverage collective intelligence uh, and co-creation as uh, it has been uh, mentioned. If we look at, I don't know if you know the framework RRRR, acquisition, activation, um, uh, retention, referral and revenues, most of the brand are now uh, are still focused on acquisition where this should, you know, really leverage retention and referral. So it's um, it's very interesting because this is a total different way, uh, I should say opposite way to run a brand right now. Yeah, agreed. Uh, thanks for those insights, Steph. Uh, Carlos, you also run a successful podcast. What are you hearing from your audience? No, I, I, I wanted to react to something that Nico said that I, I found very interesting is uh, you mentioned a word that I think is is very important in right now is ownership. And that's a, that's a 
big difference, you know, that exists, you know, right now with this Web3 space where basically now uh, you are owning, you know, something that you can share uh, with your community. That was not the case before. Stephanie, you said that uh, brands are focusing on acquisition. I've got a terrible news, you know, for them. They're not acquiring anything. So they think that they are making acquisition, but actually they're not, they're not owning anything. Actually, they are renting an audience uh, from the platforms and uh, they don't own, you know, this audience. And uh, there is also a terrible news, you know, for the consumers is the fact that uh, even if they believe that they acquire or they own something, when you're interacting, you know, most of the time when you interact you with a brand, you're not owning anything from this brand yourself, you know, as a consumer. And I think that the big difference, you know, we see, you know, right now with Web3 and uh, DAOs and stuff like that, is that the first step is that people have decided to reclaim, you know, ownership over their content, over their community, and also over their economy. And uh, so that's the very first step, you know, that every creator should take, you know, right now is to say, become an independent, you know, creator and uh, reclaim ownership and control over your content, over your community and your economy. And once you have, you know, this ownership, then you can start sharing, you know, that, you know, with your community. And by the way, what is a community, you know? Uh, because a community, I think that uh, what people have been doing, you know, so far in the recent years is just building audiences. That is very different, you know? I mean, it's, uh, they have millions of people, you know, listening to them. They barely, you know, interact, you know, with them on a regular basis. But uh, what we're talking about here is not only about engaging a conversation, that's the web too, you know? Uh, this is about sharing, you know, some of uh, what you're doing, you know, with your, with your community and make them part really of, uh, uh, yes, become, for example, with my podcast, what I did is uh, I started my new season of my podcast, but before starting, you know, the season of my podcast, I said to my uh, audience and my community, I'm not going to start, you know, the next season because I want you to become the co-producer of my next season, okay, of my next podcast season. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to mint, you know, 50 NFTs, unique NFTs, and uh, they are all different. Uh, I call them socios. Uh, they range in between $100 and $500. And if you buy one of them, I'll share, you know, 25% of my revenue of the next season with you. So some of these tokens were 1% share, other was, you know, 0.3 or 0.1, you know, percent of my revenue. I sold these 50 tokens in two hours and 30 minutes to my community. And now every time I'm minting NFTs along the season, my smart contract is splitting, you know, 25% of this revenue among, you know, these 50 holders of my 50 socio tokens. So now my community, this community, these 50 holders of my socio tokens are more, much more than auditors, you know, or people I'm talking with. They are co-owners, you know, of my season. You know, they are stakeholders and uh, they're really part of it. You know, they feel like they own, you know, something, a piece of, uh, of my podcast. So that's really, I think that's really the change, you know, and, and maybe it's hard, you know, to understand. So I understand also that brands, my find, you know, difficult, you know, to say, okay, first, I don't own anything because I build audiences in these shitty platforms around, you know, that uh, uh, are, are stealing, you know, all my, my, uh, my, my audience, you know, from me. 
and now I need to share, you know, some ownership, you know, with people, that's, that's a big jump, you know? Yeah, thanks, Carlos. Uh, very interesting uh, model. I'm trying, I'm going to replicate that if I can in my community. Uh, Nico has her hand raised and then Stephanie. Thank you. Yeah, uh, to add to what Carlos said, um, I think what we see from brands is that they want to go to those uh, metaverse for alls or like environments where they can get immediate exposure uh, because they're looking for that immediate ROI to tell their higher level managers that see it works, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality, like if you think of like long term plan, like it doesn't work exactly like you said, Carlos, it's just they're basically just rent or like they're going to places that it's not necessarily the existing um, target audience, like Gucci going to Roblox or Avalon going to Roblox. Like that's not what we would expect from them. Um, obviously, they're planning also for uh, the new generation to get used to luxury and all of that. Uh, but it's just a different brand image. Um, and so that's why we always uh, also suggest brands to create their own and bring their existing audience. But the challenge is education, which is a hard investment and brands prefer to avoid it for now. Um, and then I wanted to also add to what Stephanie said about um, this being exact opposite of what brands are used to. I kind of disagree in some ways because it's opposite of the product development structure that they're used to a little bit, um, you know, like coming now from bottom up, but also we can't expect the audience or cons consumers to actually become accountable and um, organize anything. Uh, it's not as much as we wish. Um, I experienced that by actually like going all the way decentralized and it's not there yet. People are not ready to take accountability, to take responsibility, to take ownership of the outcome. Um, they like to own assets, but uh, when it gets to like the challenges of a business, um, they rather sit aside and just like um, expect us to um, perform great. So I, I would say a brand shouldn't be scared of like completely revolutionizing their structure yet. They can take small steps and just, you know, kind of see this um, audience as an extension of their team again. So if they tear um, the control and they kind of release slightly, um, I think the outcome would be great and they don't have to completely, um, you know, change everything. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Nico. Uh, we'll go to Steph and then Jennifer. Yeah, I totally agree with, with Nico. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a step towards sharing. Uh, and for sure, they should not rely on, you know, their community to uh, be accountable for the product development or any, I mean, everything. But it's just, you know, starting to share. Uh, and this is something very different. And what I see uh, as well as uh, as an issue, or at least uh, um, some that brings some complexity, especially in the luxury space, which are you know known, uh, which is known actually to be the secret industry. It's they have to start to being to be very authentic, which are which they are not to they are not used to be, uh, because they are very secretive, and and that's something that is quite a challenge for most of them because you need uh, if you want to develop that uh, a sense of belonging and close tight, you need to make sure that uh, people get the space, you know, to to have the the. The, the sentiment that they, they can you know contribute to uh, to uh, the the overall uh, uh, brand experience 
And, uh, and just to jump to uh, what has been said before, um, I always, for me, it, what is really makes sense and, and creates a lot of engagement from uh, the tribes is also when you bring impact and when you leverage your community actually to uh, help your organization to transform. Just an example for um, uh, on something that has been done by Todd's. They launched uh, a, a digital uh, twin of, uh, of uh, shoes and the community loved it so much that they finally developed the, the phys phys physical product. And that's very interesting because thanks to, you know, all the, the concept of fansumer and finocracy, we are going to see an evolution also on the way we produce. And instead of producing and then, you know, launching the product, you are going to define your focus, not based on assumption, but based on commitment and purchase, you know, prior to production. So on-demand production will also generate a lot of impact when it comes to uh, environmental and, uh, and sustainability transformation. And that's also something very interesting because everyone can be and become you know, part of uh, 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 the, the transformation of any organization. Yeah, thanks, Steph. Let's go to Jennifer and then Gordon. So, I mean, I'm also in agreement. I think one thing to um, add to this, and as I listen to fanocracy, which I love, by the way, I think that's a really good way of articulating the difference between a group of individuals who are part of a journey versus a group of individuals who might own the journey. And I think the individuals that own the journey are the community. And I think the, the fans are the participants, right? And I think there's a really interesting distinction between those two. Um, the one thing that's important, I, I suppose, for the audience, right, if you're listening to this and you're trying to understand why would I bother building a community, you know, what's in it for me, I think different businesses have different objectives. There's one sort of fallacy, though, which is if you create a community, you therefore create a business. And that is just simply not true. Um, I actually created a framework last week to articulate this for people in the CMO seat who probably are getting a lot of board level pressure, right? Why aren't you in the metaverse, right? Where are we going to invest? And, and more recently, it's AI is going to take over the world, right? So you're always on the receiving end of this as a CMO. Um, and it's important to understand that you have community or or even fanocracy to a point, but all that really is, is either product market fit or participation, but it doesn't equal scale. It doesn't equal commercial performance. And I think those are the things that people need to understand. How do you get from a community or a fan and take and give in order to get that scale and that value back. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Uh, Gordon, you want to add something? Yeah, I just want to use a case study actually um, about a particular influence. I'm going to talk about influencers because it's obviously my my bag. <laughs> um, uh, about an influencer agency that um, got involved with a project where they um, were co-creating effectively a brand new product for a South American audience. And what they decided to do was bring uh, four or five influencers for a three or four day retreat in a hotel. And what they did is, is that they asked the influencers to create this brand, which is a it's called Puricane, which is effectively a sugar sweetener. They wanted to do it with the influencers, but actually with the influencers' audiences at the same time. So that's everything from looking at the design, looking at the different the different color, the market. So what was happening during these three days 
is these um, these uh, audiences of the influencers were very, very much involved um, in giving their feedback. So it was almost like Q&A, what do you think of this? So we're doing lots of content. So when the product actually came to be launched, can you imagine the impact that came from it? Because all of these influencers audiences felt that they were part of this really exciting journey and experiment. And it was a huge success for this particular company, so much so that he bought the agency that actually did it for them. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just want to switch the conversation a little bit to, you know, one of the talking points, at least something that I've been promoting a lot is the concept of ROE vis-a-vis ROI, right? Return on engagement. I think that's a very important matrix that brand managers need to be uh, talking about and promoting within an organization. Because when you talk to a finance head and you go to him with a metaverse proposal, his question is, what is the ROI? And I think that's a little bit of an unfair question. It probably says that you don't get it because the first step is to have ROE. And I think brands need to invest in that return on engagement. And I can see a lot of hands going up. Uh, I don't know who I should go to first, but I think Jennifer was first to raise her hand. So let's go to you. Okay. I mean, a quick build on that. So one of the things that comes up a lot in organizations where they want to experiment with innovation, they measure it completely differently, right? So first of all, you need separate KPIs and ROE could be part of that. But one of the things that should be discussed is that an MPV of zero is good. So break even is good. And that could be the same as ROE because the insights, the learning curve that you get creates so much value that that's frankly part of the reason why you're doing it. Yes, 100% agree. Carlos, you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, another concept I think it's very important to understand You know, right now is uh, I think we are moving from an attention economy where basically it was about building audiences and having some attention and maybe some engagement uh, through uh, these uh, content you're putting out there and the story you're telling uh, the world to what I call an intention economy, uh, where it's very different. And uh, the intention economy for me is not only about people listening to you or reacting to what you're saying, but really building a community of people that are ready to take action you know, for you. That's what I call the intention economy. Uh, the intention economy, and that's why you need to build a community where basically, but a community not just to chat you know, or talk or to uh, uh, validate the attention you know, with you, but a real economy where you give them tools where they can really take action. And the people you know, right now are going to take action if uh, there is a deal, you know, it's uh, because I think that talking about the attention economy, everybody knows that everything is fake, you know, right now. I mean, uh, you can easily buy, you know, likes, uh, even comments or reviews, you know, on a product. It's, I mean, uh, if you work a little bit, you know, with growth hackers, you know that this is totally uh, actionable. And there is a ton of people go to Upwork. Uh, you can recruit a growth hacker and you can organize, you know, these kind of attention. The attention doesn't mean anything anymore uh, because this is something you can buy, you know, right now. And everybody know that this attention is uh, 
is something you can buy. The intention is very different. You know, the 50 people who put, you know, 500 bucks, you know, in my next season, this is not something you can buy. It's a real intention. There is, and by the way, I'm not talking about million of people. I'm talking just about 50, you know, uh, people from my community that uh, really said something that they want to take action and they put money on the table, their money. And what is, what is fascinating for me, you know, right now with Web3, let's take a moment, you know, to think about that. We have people out there that are giving you money so you market them, you know, correctly. That's basically what's going on. You know, they are buying an NFT or a token, you know, from you, whatever. And they are telling you, I want to take action, you know, with you. I'm contributing, you know, to what you're doing. This is my money. This is my email. This is my wallet address. Please market me correctly. This never happened, you know, before. Yes, uh, Carlos, when you were saying this, I was smiling because um, in Web 1 and Web 2, at least uh, on social media and Google, we used to use a lot of black hat uh, tactics, right? Yeah. And those don't uh, work anymore in Web 3 and should not. So I think that's a stark uh, difference between buying likes and shares, etc., to having genuine engagement and empowering uh, people, so to say. Stephanie, you wanted to add something. Yeah, super. That uh, I'm just next. Uh, I mean, I just talked right after Carlos because uh, perfect, uh, um, you know, uh, connection. Uh, just to jump on what you just say, Sharad, about uh, ROI, ROE, I will bring another layer, which is ROI, but not return on investment, but return on impact. And impact could be many things, growth, uh, consumer satisfaction, employee engagement. And that is something that is absolutely critical uh, right now. And just to jump about what Carlos said, um, I developed a framework which is called Impact Hacking, H-A-C-K-I-N-G. And it's not anymore, I mean, we see a lot of, and ju just to, uh, to follow what, he, what Carlos just said, we, have, we are in a society right now where a lot of people talk a lot and even on Web3 project, you know, they are talking a lot. It's more, you know, surfing on the hype and just be, you know, cool brand. So they talk a lot, they do a little and they prove nothing. But thanks to Web3 and especially blockchain, uh, this time is over and people are really fed up about the fact that all those data are manipulated and they want, which is something we haven't, haven't touched yet, it's trust. And I think that it's really important to build uh, for your tribe, your community, uh, no matter how we call it. But it's important to develop a strong culture and strong identity. And people will, uh, you will become a magnetic brand as soon as you are able to define that clearly. And people will, you know, love your products, but they will also love your values and your culture and this identity. And that is really important. So we should shift from a model where we talk a lot, we deal little and we prove nothing to a model where we do first, we prove, and then we talk. And this is yeah. the way you are able to bring trust and to create uh, this notion of tribe. So it's time for action. Thanks. I'm going to come to Nico very soon, but first to Gordon. Uh, Gordon, I remember last time we were on a Zoom call, you were explaining to me the concept of nano-influencers. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so nano-influencers are typically those that have got audiences between one and 10,000 followers. 
And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it into this conversation um, is because um, their level of engagement on social media as a percentage is, is significantly higher because they're in a position to be able to be much more responsive to their audience. Um, in fact, I've just done a, um, um, a webinar the other day with the state of influencer marketing, some of the trends. You know, on average, Instagram is around one point. Um, 1.6% uh, overall, and yet a nano influencer is likely to be at 2.53%. And if we move towards consumers, those real fan consumers is even higher. Um, because people, it is all about trust. It's all about relatability, you know, and that's why um, some of these nano influencers have done really, really so well, um, because they've created a niche, and in some cases, a niche and a super niche. And that is where we feel like, and this is really, really important for brands. I was talking about somebody that may be a fly fishing expert, for example, you know, may only have a thousand followers on Instagram, but actually for a rod manufacturer or somebody in that space, the chances of getting a conversion and a sale is very, very high um, from that audience because it's 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 a small community. So I think what we, you know, when we talk about um, Web3, it's not necessarily about, you know, big size. It's about relevance and, and that feeling. I mean, look, look, I don't know about you guys, but some of the best meetings I've had in the last two or three years have been on Zoom with less than 12 people in them. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes. And yeah. and that I think is really, really important. Um, and I think also we when we've got these tighter communities, they, they've got these trusted networks. And that is the reason why brands find nano influencers uh, a great way to to build their communities. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Gordon. Before I go to Stephanie, um, Something you will all agree has got the imagination of all people. And you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to chat GPT, artificial intelligence. What role does that have to play with community building for brands? Do you see any role for that? Is it going to take over community management? Is it going to outsmart community managers? I want to hear your take two minutes each around the room, please. Starting with Stephanie. So just before answering your point, uh, Sherrod, uh, and following uh, the, the, the point that Gordon raised, uh, I think that, you know, leveraging nano influencers and implementing uh, X to earn model, business model, sharing revenues, it's going to be, uh, a, you know, a, um, a game changer in the way that brands can leverage, uh, you know, those influencers, and they will be able actually to own this audience because that's a problem. Uh, if you know uh, Instagram uh, shut down or um, disconnects, you're, you're, you lose everything. So leveraging those models and sharing re revenues with them, thanks to contribute to earn or uh, one example is for example, Stepan, uh, their tokenization model was wrong, but the system was amazing. And I think that is a great way to, uh, um, yeah, convert an audience to a real uh, consumer or consumer. Mm -hmm. So just to jump on, on your question regarding uh, um, AI, um, there is something that we should not forget. It's all about humans. So technology is great, uh, but uh, to build a tribe, uh, you need to re and we see that with CRM, for example. 
um, most of the brands have a terrible, you know, CRM system. They don't know, uh, and they assume that based on persona, people will react this way. So leveraging AI will be tremendous in many ways, but we should not forget that we talk to people. And so human and rehumanization of the relationship is absolutely for me critical to, to uh, have the cement, you know, uh, to build a strong uh, relationship with your audience. So great for many ways for accelerating the process and, 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 and developing, you know, the overall uh, community, but, you know, everything has to be balanced. Yeah, good point made, uh, Nico. Yes, I love uh, AI and technology, not just because I'm an engineer, but also I think like from the efficiency perspective, again, I go back to like extension of your team. Um, AI, again, is not going to substitute all of us. It's just going to be an extension of our team. So some roles may change like um, copywriting, which ChatGPT is now much faster, better. Um, there is also concept art, right? A lot of those um, ideas that could be accelerated and shown to us much faster. So I see it as just a tool, another tool again in our toolbox. Um, and at the end of the day, like uh, the thing that AI is still lacking, maybe it changes in the future, uh, is creativity. And so for that, uh, we still need that uh, human touch. Um, and, you know, like Stephanie said, it's like we still need a human to be there and kind of like manage the conversation and add the emotional part that uh, the AI is lacking, um, at least to the extent that we can. Um, and I think um, some other points that was touched earlier are so important. Like we talked about trust. Um, so, you know, we, like under uh, promising and over delivering like that needs to be practiced more and just listening to the customer so again um you can leverage any tools that exist to do that um you don't have to have necessarily community managers that are 24 7 on discord and just like analyzing word by word you can use ai i'm part of this amazing community called nouns and um, they're building a brand um, completely web3 completely decentralized and, um, you know, we talked about a lot like traditional brands coming to Web3, but I think Web3 uh, projects or businesses can be a strong brand and even get stronger than traditional brands uh, with, the, you know, being open to these technologies, not worrying about what the stakeholders will say every moment um, so they can just take more risks and listen to the consumers and make them a part of the narrative. And that changes everything. Um, and they are right, great use cases, great examples of like what real empowerment is. And uh, Carlos, you mentioned about, um, you know, like we have to um, utilize the community and uh, bring them into the narrative. But the question is always like, what's the incentive uh, that we can give them? So uh, a lot of times we see in this crypto world that um it was money but now that the money is not there uh, as much uh, a lot of those folks are gone so what's the remaining incentive i think recognition could be one you know just amplifying um the talents and expertise that every person can bring to your brand to your community um so again uh, an example of nouns brand like they're actually amplifying every talent not only they give them funding but also they give them support uh, to build their experience 
expertise, their talent, leverage their ecosystem. Um, that's what usually is missing from the traditional brands. Um, they just want to take, not so much give. Yeah. That's Great insights. And I want to share a piece of information with all of you. Uh, so as some of you might know, I run a community called Meta Shapers, and we've been around for slightly over a year. Uh, one of my colleagues there is a guy called Jamie Brett, who runs MetaHub out of London. Amazing guy in terms of programming. So uh, we are now going to be announcing a webinar totally powered by ChatGPT. So there are going to be four avatars. And they will be powered by ChatGPT. It will be an organic conversation with no human interaction. The only human in the room will be myself moderating and making sure these uh, chat GPT avatars don't uh, get out of hand. So we've so tested we just it got fired. It's... That's what you're telling us. You know, <laughs> uh, not, which is a great news because I could be sleeping, you know, right now. So, <laughs> so, so oh, guys, yeah, yeah. stay tuned for that announcement. Trust me, it works. It's almost like we could have Stephanie's avatar and the text to uh, voice uh, works amazingly well. It's totally powered by ChatGPT. It's an organic conversation. Nothing is scripted. It's just that we don't know where it will take us, right? So we need a moderator in the room. So stay tuned for that announcement. Uh, Carlos, I want to come to you. I still want to hear from you in your podcast that you run very successfully. What are the topics of conversation? What, what is getting traction these days? Uh you mean uh, inside my community or yeah, in, in my podcast? What, what are people talking about? What What are the top three hashtags, if I may ask you? Oh, uh, right now, artificial intelligence is definitely number one because um, I, by, by the way, uh, made a, an episode about ChatGPT at the very beginning and um, and uh, that sparked you know, a lot of conversation, obviously. Um, so artificial intelligence is number one. I would say that Web3 is still very uh, high. Uh, there is a lot of questions around, you know, uh, what decentralization means and uh, kind of the, the same kind of conversation we're having here. Number three is metaverse, you know, for sure. Uh, there is a lot of expectation, you know, here, you know, with Apple, you know, releasing a product, you know, very soon, you know, with, um, we don't know if it would be uh, glasses or, whatever, but I think that only Apple can now commoditize, you know, these, uh, uh, the use of, of the metaverse that is missing uh, um, some sort of uh, engagement, you know, right now. So I'm, I'm a very good friend of Sébastien Borger from uh, uh, the Sandbox. And uh, I'm always telling him, this is great, you know, what you're doing, but every time I'm connecting, you know, to the sandbox, I'm, I, I feel very alone, you know, there is nobody out there. And he doesn't like that, you know, when I say that to him, but, um, um, but it, yeah, so basically these are the three topics, you know, right now that I think are pretty hot, you know, um, now the conversation inside my community has nothing to do with all that, you know, I mean, it's really about them, you know, trying to connect to each other. Yes, of course, we're talking about these topics, but there is crazy conversation inside my community that, by the way, I'm not part of. I'm just, you know, the guy. I think it's what is very interesting also is uh, as a creator, I think that my role is like organizing a party. 
So basically, I'm inviting people and, you know, they're here. And uh, they, I think that some of them don't even know who organized the party, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not there, you know, inside my community, like the the person that has to engage a conversation that has to be at the center, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There is uh, I was checking, you know, why we were talking. Sorry about that. But we have a Telegram group and uh, there were, you know, 80 conversation going on, you know as we were talking and they don't care if I'm here or not, you know, so uh, I don't know exactly what they are talking about, you know, right now. And it doesn't really matter. My job is to bring the right people, you know, together. That's really my job. Right. Great. Not to control the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, Carlos, there's a question. What brands, you know, will hate, you know, by the way, that's why I'm saying that, you know, because brands, you know, want to control the conversation. They want to know what is, where, where, I don't want to know what they are talking about. I don't really care you know, about that. Not my I just want to add something quickly to that, if may. Uh, so I think it's important, like what you said, um, there's a difference between you being a traditional brand or uh, new, um, but also I think you have established a culture and that's why people are in your community versus someone else's. Um, so the purpose, the values that you established, exactly. that framework that they're resonating with is still going to be there. You may not be there every moment, but you are there in the spirit and you are there um, kind of like they are kind of looking up to you um, and the values you established. I think that a power, that impact, impact that the founder of a community has and the culture you build is not going anywhere. Yeah, agreed, 100%. Uh, I have a pop quiz for our panelists and for our audience. So audience members, may I request you to just write one brand that comes to your mind that you think has got community building right. So feel free, it can be in any industry. And I'm going to go around the room and starting with Jennifer, who do you think has got it right in terms of community building in Web3? Oh, in Web3. Uh... Which brand comes to mind? Well, it's going to be Nike. Yeah. All right. I mean, Stephanie. Uh, if Nike is taken, I will say Starbucks. <laughs> All right. Nico. Well, I don't think, again, the traditional brand has done it perfectly. Like Nike and all of them, they were just acquiring something that existed, that artifact. Yeah. Uh, so I think um, my example was Nouns that I'm part of. I truly believe they are a modern Disney and the future of um, branding. All right, Gordon. Um, I'm going to stick with Lego because I'm a great fan of um, that community anyway, um, and what they're do what they're doing now and where they're where they're going. Right, Carlos. Yeah, I love Lego also as well, but I don't see them, you know, doing anything on the web free. I mean, I'm still, you know, buying their product and uh, i don't feel like i own anything you know from them so i don't feel i'm 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 a stakeholder you know with lego but i i, I still you know i i love their product and i will continue to buy them i agree with uh with what nico said i i haven't seen any traditional brand which is a for me a, a, a fantastic news because it means that uh, they are totally desperate and that uh, it opens an opportunity for new brands you know to uh, take over which is a great news because Lego has been around, you know, for many years, you know, now it's time maybe to replace, you know, Lego with something new, uh, which I think it's always, uh, always great, you know, to see new, uh, uh, I see someone saying Adidas, you know, maybe I prefer, you know, what Adidas is doing than Nike. I think that Adidas is, yes, especially on the sandbox, 
trying to do something by themselves, not just by acquiring, you know, other startups. But I agree with Nico. I think that uh, I really love, you know, branding on Web3 name uh, Friends with Benefits. Uh, that is a community that is uh, uh, doing very interesting stuff. And Board Ape, you know, I mean, that's that's an amazing community building an amazing brand, you know, with incredible, you know, assets that can become maybe the next Disney. Um, and uh, that I really like, you know, I'm not an owner of a board ape, uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, this is there are there are brands, you know, in the Web three. You can talk about the crypto punks, you know, and and all these guys. Nons is a very very interesting DAO for sure uh, that I really love also as well. So I, I will recommend you to uh, yes make your make your research and try to find you know new brands and. That's okay if the old brands are not part of this equation. I think it's fine, you know, I mean, let these people die. Yeah, also, uh, Carlos, just, uh, you know, based on what you said, uh, look at that Tiffany example, right? They didn't have their own community, so they leveraged CryptoPunks and still made good money, right? They monetized in quick time with that pendant that they came out. So it's not necessary that brands, you know, have their own community. They can leverage a community that is highly engaged and then monetize uh, through collaboration. So Web3 is about collaboration, not competition. So brands need to, again, put their thinking caps on. Now we are near closing time. Six minutes for us to close. One minute for each one of you for your closing comments. Let's start with Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking of it. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it, what's been really fascinating listening to everybody here now, I think those that are really driving the Web3 story are those that are going to grow market share as, as brands because we love innovation. I still think there's a lot of education out there so that, that, that those that are seen as, as educational, I mean, we we share, our, share a, a metaverse company as, as board directors anyway, so I've I've been banging on about that is is education is the new sell really um and and using some of these amazing case studies that the guys have been talking about already um you know when you've got Nike driving it, Adidas will want to do it. So when you start to have industry leaders pioneering in this sector, before long, their competitors will want to follow suit. Um, obviously, I'm going to support the influencer community as well. I think it's got great um, growth potential, um, you know, with, with TikTok and, and live streaming in particular, you know, going through the roof. Uh, and, and, and more and more video content generally. I mean, 80% of global internet traffic is now video driven. So we're getting used to this environment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an exciting space to be in. Thanks, Gordon. Jennifer, closing comments? So I think Web3 is an and, not an or. And I suppose that's building on Gordon's comments. I think there has been a mindset where, you know, the legacy businesses, you know, shouldn't or don't have the right values. And I think what we have to do is shift, use it as a catalyst to shift values holistically. So it's okay to acquire, it's okay to partner, it's okay to build organically. I don't think it matters. I think as long as the value system changes and people get equity or a value exchange, that means that there's longevity for a business, longevity for a consumer relationships. That's really what it's about, right? So I'm trying to focus on that macro I suppose the other thing to say is 2023 is a year of niches. So do we need scale? 
or do yeah. we need niche or is it a collection of niches? I don't think we know, mm. but I think the direction of travel is definitely that. So it'd be interesting to see that. Yes, and you made an interesting point. Web3 is not so much about technology, it's about the mindset. Uh, yeah. Stephanie, closing thoughts. Um, yeah, I totally agree with uh, with Gordon. Education is absolutely key and should not be seen as a cost, but as an asset. Uh, experimentation is absolutely critical because the pace is going so fast compared to Web2 that, uh, you know, I always say to CEO, you had more than 15 years to, you know, to, uh, to, to do your digital transformation, you will have at maximum five years, you know, to, uh, to, to accelerate uh, the Web3 transformation to become a uh, thriving and sustainable uh, organization. And I think it's all about um, getting rid of egos, uh, entering into vulnerability and humility. Uh, I think it's something which is uh, uh, very important because no one knows where we will be in two years time, considering the evolution of so many technologies, Web3, blockchain, AI. So it's all about, you know, as you say, no one is expert and we all are uh, big, uh, big learners. Um, and uh, yeah, and break silos, stop, you know, to, to think things uh, in a box. Uh, technology will impact every single uh, business unit of the organization, everyone from end consumers to employees to partners. And it's not only what's going on in, uh, let's say, our countries, but it's also how do we make sure that our partners uh, at the uh, uh, other side of the world can also, you know, benefit from uh, these uh, technologies because we could, we couldn't, we we can't live with, uh, I mean, on a planet with two worlds going on. It will create a lot of, uh, um, uh, yeah, a, a, a lot of uh, consequences. And just to add to what you were saying, Stephanie, brand managers need to realize that it's okay to fail. Yeah, exactly. I talked to a lot of, you know, CEOs, founders of businesses. They are scared to fail. They say, Sharad, if I do what you are telling me and I don't succeed, what happens to my job? Mm. Right? So okay. it's okay to fail. Look at the learnings. And it's I tell them it's better to be a leader than a follower. Uh, Nico, your uh, takeaways, please. Sure. Um, I agree. Um, but I also think we shouldn't wait for those big brands to take those risks. I think every one of us that are here are innovators and we should keep building and making the great examples. So when we ask around uh, the table, then it wouldn't be silent. <laughs> so hopefully we can be great examples for them. But um, from the brand perspectives, I think uh, is like the resource and the talent is a challenge. And they yes, they can do collaboration and co-creation, but staying authentic and having your culture stay the same um, or stronger, um, that's another thing that brands need to figure out. And uh, I don't think any person can have an answer. It's a process. Yes. And Carlos. Yeah, I mean, as you said, a lot of very interesting stuff. So uh, I don't know what to add. I think it's, uh, we talked a lot about the trust, you know, that is important. I personally don't trust, you know, the brand, you know, to do the right stuff in the Web3 space, because I don't think that they have the right set of value and culture, you know, to do it correctly, not now. And it would take time. Uh, like Jennifer said, you know, it's not going to happen. There will be a Web 2.5, where basically it's going to be a transition in between what they've been uh, doing in the web two that is by the way very different than 
what they were doing, you know, in Web One, and it took them very a long, very long time, you know, to get to Web Two. And now we are asking them to change again, you know, their set of values to get into this Web Three. What I don't want, I don't want brands, you know, to come, you know, to Web Three, uh, into Web Three with their set of value of Web Two, because it's uh, it, they otherwise, you know, they're gonna. They, they're going to, yeah, waste everything, you know? So I think that they're not ready yet. It's going to take them time. Maybe a lot of people in will make a lot of money trying to explain to them, you know, what is, what is Web3? I think that Nico and me, because we are doing stuff in the Web3, we're not going to make money, okay? Because we are the innovators, you know, we are showing the way. There will be other people and maybe it's not us, you know, doing money, you know, with these brands, trying to educate these brands to go into this Web3 world, you know, with a new set of value and culture. Now, at the same time, uh, there is also in Web3 talking about trust, people who apparently got, you know, the culture, at least the technology, but that you cannot trust because they were, you know, very bad people. It, it's always the same. You know, I come from the Web1. It happened exactly the same at the beginning of the internet. The first people that was trying to take advantage of the internet were very bad people. So we have exactly the same problem, you know, right now. So yes, we have a problem of trust. Yes, as a consumers, because brands don't understand, you know, this space. We trust, you know, brands, but the problem is that they don't get, you know, the web free. And a lot of individuals, you know, in the Web3 space are not trustable. So it's a, it, it, it's going to take time, you know, before, you know, everything, you know, gets clearer that the real player, that the tourists, that the scammers, you know, uh, goes, uh, goes uh, out, you know, and then something very beautiful and very powerful is going to emerge, you know, for sure. But it's not going to be next week. It's not going to be in one year. It's maybe going to take, you know, two, three or four years, you know, to get there. Great. Uh, I close on that optimistic note from Carlos. We are all in it together and we are all going to succeed together and we'll all get rich together also. Carlos, to your point. Okay, so um, for our audience, uh, thank you for investing your 60 minutes with us. Uh, you will get a recording and a podcast tomorrow, same time at onlywebinars.com. Do share it with your friends, family and community members for wider coverage. I want to thank uh, my friends, my panelists for an engaging conversation. We had loads of fun and I'm sure there were a lot of takeaways for our audience. And on a housekeeping note, our next two webinars are already scheduled. We are going to be discussing Web3 investment trends on 23rd February. We have five VCs uh, on our panel from four different continents. So we'll figure out where the money is and where it's getting invested. And our next webinar after that is how to organize successful Web3 IRL events. And we are that's on 28th March. And again, we have five panelists uh, who are organizing the five biggest Web3 events in five continents on this planet. So you have to register and stay tuned for these conversations. And finally, thank you audience. And thank you panelists, love you all and uh, see you on the other side. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, you Sherrod. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.